Thanks so much. Really such a delight to be here together with all of you. One of the ways that, that I find is uh, helpful, especially on Zoom, just to begin is if you'd be willing maybe just to put in the chat there, uh, maybe one thing that you're grateful about for today, just because uh, gratitude will be one aspect that uh, I'll, I'll be covering. Um, and it's a way that the Buddha talks about of gladdening the mind. Uh, it could be something really simple. So for example, for me, what I'm grateful for is I, I got to speak with two friends uh, today on the phone, and uh, I, I feel so grateful to have that in my life, friendship. Uh, yeah, so if you, if there's something that resonates for you, even a small thing from today, that there's a sense of gratitude there, and to share it. Well, that's wonderful. Uh, Victoria, CIMC, and Nico, I'm grateful for these teachings and this practice. Being in this community hmm, right now matters, and I'm hugely grateful. My community of friends, being able to attend this Sangha online, yeah, the inclusivity that can come from this. Being two friendly, nice people randomly on a walk, speaking with my brother, grateful for relationship with family, grateful for being able to connect with all of you right now, grateful that I can exercise. And I invite you just to take some of this in, not so much with the mind, but really the heart to feel this gratitude. And gratitude for the lovely, blustery wind and night. Nice. It's cold here in Flagstaff, but not windy and blustery. It's uh, also delightful. Hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing there. So tonight what I'd like to share with you is a it's it's a facet of this particular path of the the Dhamma that I I myself haven't found spoken about very often, but it's been important. It's been important for my path and my life, this teaching. And it's a uh, uh, a teaching that it does feel like it moves me towards freedom, moves me towards release, and it shapes how I show up in the world. And this is this theme that I shared. You know, I am I am here because of others, and and that phrase is you're going to hear is intertwines with this classical teaching on gratitude, gratitude for our parents, our caregivers, the people that brought us to this moment in our lives. And I think one of the reasons why it's uh, kind of alive for me recently is because earlier on this year, my mother-in-law passed away. She died and also spending time with family and, and watching the decline of my own parents has uh, really brought this this teaching alive in really quite interesting ways. And, and I also want to acknowledge it, it makes sense that this teaching isn't spoken about often because it can be complicated. At least this is what I've noticed in my own life and in lives of others. There, there's a complexity to this teaching of having gratitude for our parents. Uh, 
uh, for many people at least, that I think needs to be included, and I'll, I'll be getting to that. And uh, this, I, I think, segues into uh, maybe a, a broader theme that's important for me as a practitioner, is what I've noticed for myself to engage on this path and this practice is I need to deeply understand these teachings. This is something that is really quite important for me. That this isn't just about meditation. I need to slow down and get a deeper sense of uh, the meaning of these teachings, kind of the, the, the teachings I'm exposed to textually in these early Buddhist texts, and also in the what I call the tradition, the kind of communities that bring forward, forward these teachings. So I'm, I'm sympathetically listening to them. And at the same time, uh, what I've noticed often, I need to translate them into my life. How do they resonate for my life? So I, I invite you to uh, possibly listen in this way, to listen for these teachings. And you'll hear that I'll be translating them, but to see how you translate them in your life in a way that is meaningful. And in light of this, I, I want to begin this reflection this evening by, by simply just acknowledging right here in our group here, there's probably quite a huge range of experiences that exists around this topic, around this topic of parents and caregivers. So for example, there might be some of you where it's it's very simple. You feel a lot of gratitude for your parents, for your caregivers, and you've reflected on it. You've made much of it. And for some of you, this might be a value that's just a core value that's embedded in your cultural background. It's something that you've grown up with is this, this, uh, this honoring and gratitude of, of parents and caregivers. And then there might be others of you that, yeah, you feel gratitude, but you haven't deeply explored it in terms of the dimensions that this realm has for spiritual practice. And then for others, it might be challenging, really, the, the, the complexity of at least what I've noticed of parents. Parents are imperfect. They loved you and they hurt you, and it can be fraught. And then others that I also want to include where your parents deeply, deeply harmed you, and there was an absence of love and care. So just to acknowledge the huge range that might be here as we're all here together. And, and I want to point out, even the notion of parents, the, the phrase that's usually used in Pali is uh, matapitu, mother, father. Uh, just that notion can be varied and complex. It, it was a, a complex thing for the Buddha to remember the Buddha's mother died, at least so the story goes, seven days after he was born. And as, we, as a result, he was uh, one of his main caregivers was his aunt, uh, uh, Mahapajapati. So even when he's offering this teaching to us, uh, we can hear that he's he's uh, has a broader sense of what parents mean. And for some people, maybe even here, some people were adopted or... For others, like a friend of mine, 
his children uh, from his sperm, an egg from a woman who's not his partner, and then a surrogate mother. And for, for others, it's the caregivers who supported you the most were maybe not so much your parents. And this is also sometimes a, a cultural thing. Maybe it was more your grandparents or your aunts and uncles. Maybe, maybe it was a few teachers at school that were really so key that brought you to this moment in your life or therapists or certain friends. So hopefully you're hearing, I'm, I'm offering this invitation to broaden this understanding of this word parents, this phrase, mata pitu in Pali, just as the Buddha did, given his, his life. And again, to come back, uh, here we have these teachings. Can I understand them? And I need to translate them into my lived life and what I've experienced to sympathetically hear them. And as I, I continue here, I, I want to be clear. I, I Hopefully you're hearing, I'm offering you just what I see as the beginning of this exploration, not the end. Really, I, I'm here to offer some reflections that to invite you to reflect on and to clarify how to make your own in a skillful way. Because obviously what I'm going to be offering you is, is incomplete in some manner. So the main dimension for me around this gratitude for parents is this dimension, this felt sense of I'm here right now because of others. I really am. I'm here because of the kindness and generosity of others. And as I go through this, I invite you to have this, uh, maybe this felt sense uh, in, in your heart as I'm sharing these things. You know, as we hold a much broader sense of, of parents. And, and this gratitude for parents, uh, the Buddha puts it puts it in bold language, at least I find, to, to convey that a person of integrity is a person who has gratitude for their parents or supportive caregivers, whoever they are. This is what the, the Buddha that we find in these early texts, at least, says. He says, I, I tell you, practitioners, there are two people who are not easy to repay. Which two? Your mother and your father. And then he continues, he says, even if you were to carry your mother on one shoulder and your father on the other shoulder for a hundred years and were to look after them by anointing, massaging, bathing, and rubbing their limbs, and they were to defecate and urinate right there on your shoulders, probably just the way maybe some of you did with your parents and your child. Even if you were to do this for a hundred years, he says, you would not in that way pay or repay your parents. And even if you were to establish your mother and father in absolute sovereignty over this great earth, abounding in the seven treasures, you would not in that way pay or repay your parents. Why is that? Because mother and father do much for their children. 
they care for them, they nourish them, they introduce them to this world. And then from there, the, the Buddha quite nicely gives us a way to repay our parents or give, uh, caregivers, which is to, uh, you could say the, the, the phrase is to establish them in the Dhamma. And the way I understand this phrase to establish one in the Dhamma, or the way I think about it is more broadly to establish someone in that which is onward leading in their lives is not through trying to convert or tell them, <laughs> at least this is the way I take it, but rather through how I embody the beautiful qualities of the heart that I learn on this path and this practice these beautiful qualities, to, so that I can touch others through the embodiment of that which is onward leading rather than trying to convert in some way. So hopefully you hear this. Oh, this is important. I couldn't, even if I were to do all those things for a hundred years, I wouldn't repay my parents. So what gets evoked for me is, oh, this is a practice that's intertwined also with gratitude, really filling my heart with what I've received from my caregivers, gratitude from the sense of that I'm here right now with you because of others. So parents, caregivers, relatives, school teachers, therapists, friends, if there were absolutely another, no other human being that took care of you, you wouldn't be here right now in our community here on Zoom. I'm here because of others. You're here because of others. What would it be like to really take that in? And, and I find this important just because of uh, some of the systemic forces in this dominant world uh, in, in the United States. So I'll just, uh, in, in, in that realm, given the prevalence of both implicit and explicit bias against the elderly in the dominant culture in the United States. These biases, they lead to discrimination and employment discrimination in healthcare and housing and social interactions. They can access, hinder access to resources. And often the elderly can be seen as not as important because they're not productive. And what gets lost there is this acknowledgement of, oh, I'm here because of them. You know, for, for when I reflect on my parents, I'm, I am very grateful for them. And yeah, probably like all of us, that they're imperfect in all kinds of ways. The way human beings are imperfect. And they model to me a beautiful values which I still hold in my heart that intertwined with this path, beautiful values like generosity, 
Helping those in need was a big uh, value in my family. Helping those who are at a disadvantage in our society. The value of kindness. And I learned it not through their words, but how they were, how they lived those values. And I also feel grateful for my parents because they supported my decision to get ordained uh, in the Zen tradition. And they did something even more rare. They came to my ordination. It was, you know, with my fellow monastics, my monastic siblings. It was so rare to have one's parents come to one's ordination. Uh, it was so moving. And not only that, they tolerated me and were patient. I, I was a pain in the ass as a teenager. And I cringe when I think what I put them through. And part of this process of gratitude for me is to acknowledge all the ways my parents, my caregivers cared for me that can also go so unnoticed. And I want to slow down with this aspect of this dimension of gratitude. And it's, uh, I'd like to share with you a, a poem by the, uh, the poet Adelie Moen called uh, The Raincoat. She begins, when the doctor suggested surgery in a brace for all my youngest years, my parents scrambled to take me to massage therapy, deep tissue work, osteopathy, and soon my crooked spine unspooled a bit. I could breathe again and move more in a body unclouded by pain. My mom would tell me to sing songs to her the whole 45 minute drive to Middle Two Rock Road and 45 minutes back from physical therapy. She'd say even my voice sounded unfettered by my spine afterward. So I sang and sang because I, th I thought she liked it. I never asked her what she gave up to drive me or how her day was before this chore. Today, at her age, I was driving myself home from yet another spine appointment, singing along to some maudlin but solid song on the road radio. And I saw, I saw a mom take off her raincoat and give it to her young daughter when, her sto when a storm took over the afternoon. My God, I thought, my whole life I've been under her raincoat, thinking it was somehow a marble that I never got wet. Right. I thought my whole life I've been, my God, I thought, my whole life I've been under her raincoat, thinking it was somehow a marvel that I never got wet. I, I love this poem and I also love this image, the poem, like for me, this discovery, oh, I am so here because of others. 
all the many ways that I've been sheltered from storms or because of others, how they have supported me all these years, whether it's parents, caregivers, friends, therapists, teachers, they've provided that raincoat. Even the earth herself, the air and water she provides me, the warmth from the sun herself. I'm here. I'm here because of others. I've been under her raincoat my whole life, thinking it was somehow a marvel that I never got wet. And just to come back again, and I'm here because of others, and also this dimension that Ada Limon is pointing to, acknowledging and revealing these things that I that can go unnoticed. And I also want to acknowledge sometimes this whole practice can be complicated around those who have brought us to this point in our lives right now in this moment. At least this is uh, what I've noticed. I remember there was a, a high school teacher who I I gained so much from, especially in those teenage years where I needed, yeah, I needed that support. And it's like, I can still see his smile and the way he gazed at me and how he conveyed his deep confidence in me when I had no confidence in myself. And his kind encouragement really at a time when I needed it. Yeah, when I reflect on him, it's deeply moving. I'm, I'm here because of him in some way. And at the same time, he, he was a deeply flawed individual who, he was harmful at times. So what's it like to engage in this, maybe, around some of the people in your life? Maybe not all of them. I know this can be complex. Around these people who have taken care of us, of having gratitude for that. And can I have clarity about the harmful behaviors that he engaged in at times? This is the complexity of some of the people in our lives. And maybe like me, some of you have found that there's actually these jewels of love and care in the midst of the wreckage and chaos of certain relationships. And I mention this also because for a number of us, this can definitely be the case around family. And this is why I want to mention it. And, and Dharma practice has helped me with this, to, to honor the hurt and pain and to be clear about that which is unskillful. And at the same time, can I discover 
and salvage and have gratitude for that which is onward leading in my life that has been given to me. This is a, a practice. So this is another dimension of this realm, gratitude for parents, this sense, oh, I'm here because of others. There's a, another dimension I'd like to touch upon, namely that this teaching about gratitude to one's parents, caregivers, it's, it's pointing to an intertwined, interdependent relationship in which there's a responsibility, an invitation for a skillful responsiveness in these relationships with others and with the earth. There's a, a discourse called the Sigalavata Sutta, in which the, the Buddha outlines these responsibilities on both sides of this kind of relationship between parents and, and children. And he kind of outlines that children have certain responsibilities to their parents, and parents have certain responsibilities to their children. And if I'm honest with you, when I read the Sigalavada Sutta and this list, I, I do find the kind of outlining of these responsibilities that the Buddha gives, they feel quite narrow given how I'm culturally situated. And yet the spirit of this value is significant for me. You know, that, that I'm in relationship with others in this way. And there's responsibilities that come with it. And, and I want to say that what I find is that it's, there's an art to it. Each relationship in my life is unique. So I want to be cautious about describing a one-size-fits-all to every situation. But I find it important to reflect on, you know, just in terms of, let's say, parents and caregivers, sometimes it's best to completely disengage from certain relationships with caregivers and parents. Or if you're on the other end, sometimes it's important to completely disengage with certain relationships with children. Sometimes there's a need for more closeness. Other times there's a need for more distance. And there's cultural differences around this as well. And I, what I want to point to is this value of the acknowledgement that I'm in these intertwined, interdependent relationships in which there is a responsibility, or I should say, a responsiveness. And sometimes where this can be alive is when it's the other way around. For, for those of you here tonight who are parents of children, you know this. It's a tricky realm. How to skillfully love our children. The, the poet Lucille Clifton put it well. She said that one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn was that I couldn't protect my children from their own lives. It's tricky. I know for me and my partner, we, um, our niece uh, lived with us for a while and we're still 
connected with her as uh, caregivers. Boy, it's such a fine line. And I know the parents out there probably know this fine line quite well of when to help and support and step in and when to step back. It's a true art to loving skillfully. And yet here I am with my niece. We are intertwined together. We're in a relational field together. And I point this out because so often there can be such an emphasis on the individual rather than this relationality. And, and, and for me, it's like this invitation to perceive the world differently through uh, feeling into this lens of being intertwined in the same relational field. Reminds me of this quote from the um, filmmaker, writer, professor, Trinti uh, Minha. What was she says? She says, you, you and I are close. We, we intertwine. You may stand on the other side of the hill once in a while, but you may also be with me while remaining what you are and what I am not. Right? We, we intertwine. Sometimes my niece, she's on the other side of the hill once in a while. And sometimes it feels like, oh, she's just like me. She has struggles just like I do as a human being. And at the very same time, she's not at all like me. We intertwine in this nuanced way. And not only with human beings, but with non-human beings and the earth herself an intertwined, interdependent relationship. I, I need to remember, I am here because of others. Even on a vaster level, level I, I arose out of this earth and all the living beings who have come before me. I'm here because of others, because of them. 3.8 billion years ago, single-celled life. I, I'm here because of them. 700 million years ago, the first forms of animals or fish with vertebrates, right? your spine arose from them. Your spine is here. My spine is here because of them, because of others. Land animals, oh, my breathing apparatus. Primates, my opposable thumb. Mammals, temperature regulation. I'm here because of others. I'm here because of the earth. This really, to me, fits so well with this insight, or more accurately, this perception of not-self, because it, it, it tears me out of this fixed, static notion of a meanness, a separate meanness. Zen Master Dogen uh, speaks to this, this fascicle. In his uh, work, the Shobo Genzo called the Genjo Koan, probably one of the most uh, 
famous uh, writings of the Zen Master Dogen. He says, to carry yourself forward and experience myriad things is delusion. That myriad things come forth and experience it themselves is awakening. Right? This is a way to take that small fixed sense of self out of the center of experience and into sense of intertwining. So gratitude for parents. I'm, I'm here because of others. I'm intertwined, intermixed with others. So may, may, may these reflections really go for the benefit of all beings. And in particular, as a way of honoring our parents, our caregivers, those who have brought us here to really honor the sense of we're here because of others. Thank you. Thank you for your attention. Really such a, a delightful evening. I, I feel full from our time together, really so rich uh, to be able to touch upon these, these topics with all of you. Yeah. And I, I hope uh, all of you there, at least maybe in the CIMC area, uh, are staying sheltered from the windy, blustery cold <laughs> in some way. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. And uh, you take care until, until next time. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.